Welcome to the GNT Show. All right, welcome everyone to another episode of the GNT Show. Once again, I'm joined by my host with the most, a man who was arrested in Belmore Car Park, G. You can't tell people that I actually was not arrested. And not in Billmore Car Park. When the police saw you and the evidence came to light <laughs> to Buzz Rothfield, you t- you said that could that could have been the back of anyone's head. That's right. Actually, no, I I won I won on the weekend. I'm okay. I'm good. You won on the weekend. Which yeah. get, were you watching a different sport? No, I, I made a bet that the Bulldogs will lose. So I, I've got dinner coming my way. So ladies I'll and gentlemen, every- I give you a loyal Bulldogs fan. I give you a rational Bulldogs fan. There's a difference. Rational? You're not rational at all. Our, our mate Action is very much in your camp with the Bulldogs anyway. So shout out to Action. And of course, Para played the Roosters, which we'll cover. Another shout out I want to give before we start the pod is to our mate Rich. Rich was a very, very cranky man on text message with me last Friday night. So Rich, big shout out to you. What do you mean shout out? You're calling your friends out in public. Shout out. Yeah, I'm giving him a shout out. Come on, man. Come on, man. You're the self-proclaimed Charles Barkley of this podcast. I am. If you can hear G more clearly this week, it's because he's finally worked out how to use his equipment. All right, let's. Where should we start? Where do we start? Well, I mean, let's. Well, Jared Hayne. Perhaps we start there. What were your thoughts around that? To begin with, there was really no respect shown for the other person in any way whatsoever by Jared Hayne, irrespective of what happened afterwards. And it looks like he was quite graphic and. I was surprised probably at the length of the sentence, I have to say. Well, you got off with a misdemeanor, didn't you, for the Belmore yeah, Car Park incident? Generally, you know, you don't see them sort of um, give a strong sentence. But he professes his innocence and he's got his supporters as well, like Corey Norman. And Tony Williams and Christian Inu came out. Christian, Christian Inu and, and Jared Hayne went to school together. Tony Williams lost his contract with the US Rugby League. The, the way Jared Hayne's supporters acted outside of the courtroom after the verdict was disgraceful. Agree. Uh, I think the whole thing brought a blight on the game. Now, let me ask you a question, though. As someone who's had many brushes with the law... Are we talking about doing legal studies at uni or...? <laughs> so, yep. one question I had for you is Jared Haynes' records, the Dally M's, the Ken Thornet medals, all those sorts of things. What are your views on them either getting an asterisk or getting struck out from the record? Not an asterisk. That's what he achieved. That's what he did. He's done something egregious and he's going to end up in jail. That's outside of his achievements. This is part of his story for be- for better, and- for good and bad. Are you actually saying he shouldn't have it struck out or he should? You know what? He actually should not have it struck out. Right, right, right. Okay, sorry. Where's your cat? She's taking a break. By taking a break, is she in the kitty litter? She was previously, yes. <laughs> Okay. All right. Excellent. Well, she's having a good time. So let me let me ask you another question. I, unfortunately, we're starting off on very sober notes. Um, it will it will get it will get lighter. Uh, Jack DeBellin. So he got found not guilty on one of the six charges. The other five was a hung jury. So I think he finds out next week whether he goes to trial for a third time. Now, because he's in between trials at the moment, his contract has actually been revealed in the press today. The Dragons actually signed him to four years, three million bucks. So 750k a year for Jack DeBellin. Okay, wow. Which is huge, huge amounts of money for someone who's not playing. Yes. So what do you think about the Jack DeBellin thing? I can't believe we're talking about this stuff, but I mean, reading the headlines today, he's been found not guilty of one of the charges. It's going to go on by the look of it. I don't know the evidence really. I just sort of read what I read in the paper. But geez, for the victim, for Jack DeBellin, for whomever, like this is 
very tough to deal with. It's hard mentally and emotionally for everyone involved. The, the sport's got a bad reputation with how it treats its females and female fans. I, I just don't think the sport does as good a job as, say, the rugby union or the AFL at turning kids that come into the system in, and spitting them out as men at the end of it. A lot of them are spoilt. A lot of them never hear the word no. And unless you have a line in the sand and have a really strong culture, this is the type of things that can sometimes happen. It's a real blight on the game. If this game wants to thrive and continue, this is this is unacceptable behaviour in any walk of life and always has been. I think these cases, whether they're guilty or not guilty or whatever the case may be, and, and Jared Hayne, in Jared Hayne's case, there's been actually a verdict that he's guilty. Yes, correct. It's, it's a black eye on the game. And our thoughts and prayers, as I've said in the past, should always be with the victims. Agree. A lot of it's driven by that. And not everybody's like this, but there's, you know, a lack of respect and entitlement. Entitlement's the word for it. Entitlement's the word for it. You're young. No one ever says no. A huge amount of entitlement for some of these people. And, you know, some people as youth can handle that and develop into better people. And for some people, it's just something that turns them into toxic people. They can't handle it and grow past it. Well, let's hope this is the last we ever have to hear about sexual assault now game by anyone it's as blight on society and the sport so absolutely let's move on to some of the stuff that's been going on in the world of football let's ch- change the topic let's change the pace a little bit dino mezzatesta <laughs> he needs he needs more people on the cronulla sharks board he needs smart people he needs people that are intelligent really good commentators and really know their football like deep thinkers of football so they've now approached Paul Gallen to go on their board. NRL on Monday night or whatever it is has really worked. What's the question you're asking yourself where Paul Gallen's the answer? He was the captain of the premiership winning team. Are you aware of the role the board plays? So how is Paul Gallen the first choice? Hey, I'm not saying Paul Gallen can't add anything to, to the board. He might be fantastic, but I think a lot of it for is PR for, for good old Dino. Dino, he's on the promotional tour, just just kissing babies and Paul Gallon on the board. Yeah, he's on the... He's going to pop up in one of ScoMo's buses. For, for those of you listening, um, do yourself a favour and Google uh, Scott Morrison and Engadine Mackers, allegedly. I'm not even going to Google that. Anyway, go. it's what It's what you got arrested for in Belmore Car Park. All right, on the field, it was a massive week. Josh Adokar, six tries. Massive week. First time since 1950. Although I think I could have scored three or four of those tries. Dylan Brown and the Neocore and the refs and all that sort of stuff just absolutely dominated the headlines for a few days. And looks like the, the Eels will only have 17 fit players if Reed Marnie passes his fitness test for this week's game against Warriors in Magic Round. Where do you want to start with those three? Reading about it today, Para did what every other team did not do. And all the other teams are now pissed off. Yeah, it's Friday night. You got ten players in your thirty. The Eels are t- picking a pretty consistent seventeen week in week out. These ten haven't had games for ages, so I can understand why they wanted them to have a run in New South Wales Cup. I can understand that, but now that it's turned around because of the um, latest COVID sort of restrictions, you're finding all the other teams have said, "Well, we didn't put our players in," so there's a little bit of the other teams are complaining because they didn't think of it. Yeah, well, and also because they probably didn't do it. Yes, that, that's it. It's rugby league. They're complaining because they didn't do it. What did you think of Josh Adokar and Dylan Brown and Nia Kore? Nia Kore, I, looking at that, I think that should have been at least a Simbin at a minimum. He lined him up. So I disagree with this. Tedesco has a history of dropping he into these tackles. Bit. No, no, no. He ducks deliberately. He's like Matt Utai. He, <laughs> he, he ducks deliberately. So Matt Utai probably came up to his chest. Yeah. But anyway, I, I have to say, I did see James Tedesco's teeth again in an interview. Fantastic 
fantastic set of teeth, J- Jimmy T. I know he does duck into things sometimes, but all the time. What do you mean sometimes? He does it deliberately to get under the tacket. He lined him. He lined no, him well, up and hit him. Where with was the he meant to go? Are you channeling your inner rich? Look, I agree with you, but based on the way they ref the games, that's a simbin. Because there's so many other tackles where the person's literally a meter off the ground and someone's had to, you know, can't even get that low and they've hit them in the head and it's a penalty or a simbin. So, so can I just say about the other incident, Dylan Brown? I didn't feel that was malicious or deliberate. Well, the reason he couldn't he couldn't get simbined was because they gave the penalty earlier in the set. Now, he could have gone on report and Trent Robinson was actually right that if they had put him on report, he would have got a free interchange and, and they really stuffed that whole thing up. But the reason he couldn't go to the bin because the penalty was given earlier, it's like a head-high shot after a forward pass. The forward pass is the first infringement, so the head-high shot can go on report, but you can't sin bin him because it's not technically a play in the game. I think because he got injured, there's been an outrage, whereas if I look at that tackle, it was more sloppy rather than, I would say, malicious and deliberate. I'm happy he's been suspended because he hasn't been playing well. And I think Will Smith will give us more on the field. Okay, well, I think it'll be interesting to see what impact that has because I think he'll be suspended for a few weeks. Three yeah. weeks. He's already taken. I think he's already taken the early pleas. Neil Corre's got two weeks. Okay, I do want to say, though, with the Roosters, right, how come whenever they have an uproar, there's action taken immediately? Like, there's been so many dodgy re- video refereeing decisions, and as soon as they complain, you know, half the team's sacked and people are demoted. I think part of it, part of it is Trent Robertson rarely talks about the refs. So when he does, I think it's a big deal. I, I, he's, he's not one of those half-cocked coaches. He's not like Jeff Toovey. Remember what Jeff Toovey was like? There's got to be an oh, investigation. Jeff Toovey is attacking, attacking the people. He used to lose his shit. You know when they used to say re- um, fans would be waiting for um, the refs <laughs> after the game? It was probably Jeff Toovey. Was there an angrier man to play the sport than Jeff Toovey? No, I can't blame him though. He used to look pretty good until his face got belted in by all the big guys. There's someone who you worry about concussion. He cops some big hits, Jeff Toovey. Yeah, very brave player. but Very brave player. And I don't disagree with Trent Robertson's comments. It's more straight away some action's taken and the, the refs are sacked. But poor Drew Hutchison got hurt really badly, which is a real shame. Oh, terrible. Hopefully he recovers quite quickly and everything's okay, but... I think that made the situation a lot worse than it ordinarily would be. My last bit of news for the week, G, was my favourite part of the week, which was if you if you read What's the Buzz, uh, he had another go at Phil Gould about deleting his Twitter account. And if you do a search on Twitter, you can't find Phil Gould's account. Really? The, no, because the problem is Phil Gould blocked him and, he, and Buzz doesn't know how to use Twitter. And he published the article. I mean... Surely some semblance of research is required before you publish anything. No, Buzz is gone. Don't worry. <laughs> he made, he is, he is Even if you sat there and explained to him, he wouldn't, he's not going to oh get it. Oh, my easy. God. I mean, this is what passes as journalism. Oh, my God. One thing I wanted to talk about this week was um, the Sam Burgess stuff. Like, I mean, how many more speeding fines and traffic infringements do you have to get to get a fine? Like, I mean, what the? He was doing it on his um, international license. Oh, so that's okay. All right. I want to try that with a policeman next time I get pulled over. Well, you actually have to have an international license. Do you have an international license? Just because you drive a Renault doesn't mean you've got an international license, Gene. Oh, so it doesn't afford me a French license, does it? Okay, just checking. They'd defect your car if they knew what was going on in there. Oh, it's 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 terrible for the oil. Um, and, <laughs> um, and the other thing was just all the leaks coming from the Raiders, which I thought was funny. It's like all these, I, I suppose, journalists sticking up for Ricky. 
sticky, the players all over the place. Oh, like, it's just, there's, it's a debacle down there. John Bateman's like, that was a private conversation. How did it end up in public? So John Bateman is because Jackson Hastings is coming to the West Tigers and they need a halfback for next year. And George Williams is disgruntled. That, that was all politics, that stuff. But name a club where this is not how it's ended for Ricky. The Roosters ended this way. Cronulla ended this way. Para ended this way. Can- Canberra going like this. This is how Ricky's stints end. It's just interesting because John Bateman's saying that there was a private conversation. So obviously the English players talk to each other. And he's been told it's private. Then it's come out on NRL 360. Well, he's great mates with Paul Kent. Ricky and Paul Kent are great mates. Players, they're saying that it's leaked, and then all the press mates of Ricky are saying, no, it's not. And the Raiders are saying, no, it's not. So it's like, you don't know who's telling the truth. They're all protecting their asses. There's a lot happening, but not on a positive note. Yeah, unfortunately, we did did start this pot off a bit sober, but we, we would be remiss of us not to cover it, given it's a rugby league podcast. All right, let's move on to round nine. We'll start off with the two close games of the round. Uh, first up on the Thursday night was uh, Souths versus Melbourne. This game was close right up until kickoff, and then uh, the Storm went out to a 26 nil by scoreline by half time. And Josh Adokar had four tries in the first half. So um, Souths' right edge was diabolical. Um, and and you know you and I were talking about this. This is where Benji's really good when he's subbing in for your first choice halves against the weaker teams. Benji as a starting halfback or a 5'8 against the top quality teams. He's just a turnstile in defence. He was terrible. That right edge for Souths was awful. Benji Marshall, Dane Gagai and Stephen Masters, I think Isan's brother. Absolutely terrible. So much so that Wayne Bennett swapped his edges with Gagai being swapped to the wing. And then the other side with Sua and Jeb Cartwright deputising for him. So he really mixed it up because it was so bad in the first half. Uh, an example, I just want to sh- give, give the listeners an example of what I've been talking about the last few weeks, read two hookers. For the Storm's first try after the break, with Brandon Smith scoring a- after a run from dummy half, what you'll see is that Harry Grant got the ball, ran it, and then Brandon Smith got into dummy half and then scored. So it was Harry Grant, Brandon Smith. And that's the type of momentum they're getting with those clever little players around dummy half area. And it's really, really, um, really interesting thing. I think it might be a new thing in the... in in terms of tactics. Um, it was 32-0. Um, the Storm continued to target the Bunnies' right edge in the second half. Uh, Jack Troy was the last man to score six tries in a first-grade game, scoring them for Newtown in 1950. A feat matched in this game by Josh Shadow Carr with getting a hat-trick in both halves. I've got to say it, no team has won the title after conceding 50. G, what did you think of this one? Well, I mean, what can you say? I mean, the more I look at this, the more my mind is made up that Josh Shadow Carr is I know he plays for Melbourne, but I, I think he's unbelievably underrated. He has had a massive influence on a team and been a part of a team that's won two comps. He was a humongous asset in the state of origin. The danger he creates in his acceleration is unmatched. I think he's the best winger in the game, isn't he? He is, he is by far. I, I don't think it's close because he's defensively very solid, but in attack, he gives you so much that the defense can't cheat inside because if you give him even a tiny bit of space, he's gone. And he always, the, the way Melbourne plays, the execution is so good that he gets the ball and before you know it, he's already 10, 15 meters ahead. And, you know, it's a massive part of their attack and he just creates danger for the defense all the time. Gee, we're going to see we're going to see how good he really is next year when he's at the Bulldogs and he finished the season with three tries. But but it'll be 50% of the tries Canterbury score. Probably be three intercepts actually too. So, but the Storm, I say it all the time, they're just their versatility in attack now 
They've they've added more and more. They're, they're... I agree with this. So they don't rely on one player. No, absolutely not. He's really changed the the shape. Not the 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 personnel's changed, yes, but the shape of their play has really, really changed. You're absolutely right. They've got threats everywhere. If if Jerome Hughes gets hurt, they still chug along. Yeah. Like they've got players everywhere, right? And you've got Jerome Hughes busting the line all the time. He's challenging, he's running like a second center, but he's doing ball playing as well. Munster Sometimes direct, sometimes he attacks the line. His goal kicking is woeful. That might cost him in some of the big games. But like you say, the interchangeability now, Brandon Smith, who's like a nuggety, powerful back rower, but then slots into hooker a lot of the time and he's effective. He's not a great passer from dummy half. Harry Grant's the better better passer. But And Josh Adokar's got to be replaced by Xavier Coates. And the rumor is Brand- Brandon Smith's going to be the rumor is Brandon Smith's going to be the hooker at the Dogs. So well, they they can buy whatever they want, but they had to- anyway. I'll talk about Trent Barrett later, but <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna turn this into Bulldogs Hour, but with action and G Hour. This will be the Bull- Bulldogs week. Look at someone like George Jennings, and you look how confident he's playing in this. How confident he is playing in their system. How effective he is as a winger. He looks heaps better than he ever has in his career. You know, Para was happy to ship him out. Warriors didn't really care about sort of making a play for him. So, but they're just so versatile. Like Bromwich is passing the ball. Jesse Bromwich is passing the ball. Jerome Hughes is running off the props. The back rowers are running into holes. They offload. Olam is kicking now. They kick early. They kick late. You know, they bomb. They grub up behind the line early. They and the, the speed at which they play and they're super fit makes them so hard to stop. And Nico Hines is getting better too. I know he's more of a ball player than Pappenheisen doesn't have the sheer speed. He, he's getting a little bit more um, more assertive in his play. And it's just making Melbourne even better. You can get into dummy half. You can stick him on the wing. You can play in the centres. Maybe maybe as a second ball player, he might even be okay. He's a fullback. Oh, like Nico Hines is a good player, man. He's a very good all-round player. And what you find is, like you say, he plays a different role for Melbourne. Sometimes he'll go out wide. He ball plays. He comes in close. And that's the thing with them this year. They, they attack you from everywhere. And that's why I think other teams just can't cope as well as the fitness. But, you know, I mean, Souths, too many changes. A lot of injuries. Adam Reynolds. Adam Reynolds, huge out. Huge out for Souths. How can they let Adam Reynolds go? Adam Reynolds looks like he's, he's going to Brisbane or Cronulla. That was a big out, right? They look flustered without him there. Do you know, I wonder sometimes if you sort of almost get too arrogant in your process there are always exceptions to things, but if you're so adamant in your process and become too objective, but you, you look at someone like Adam Reynolds and go, oh, we can replace him, no problem, and you know signing him for two years is wrong. We only do a one-year deal. But then, like you say, who's going to replace him? They might lose a year or two until somebody else sort of grows and develops I agree. that player. And then I some agree. of their other players become too old and you know their window might close. So you sign Cody Walker. It's that halfback question becomes massive if Adam Reynolds leaves. Because I, I think they need another half if if they if they want to stay in their window. Cody Walker's 30, 31. So right, you know, Adam Reynolds is younger than him. I'll tell you what's not the answer. Kyle Flanagan. Oh, yeah. But set look, Souths, not surprised at all that they lost. I tipped the storm by about 20. Not on last week's pod. I don't know if you listened. I believe your exact words were, I'm expecting this to be a very close game. Well, I changed my mind when I was doing my tipping and I picked them by, <laughs> by 20. I think what shocked me is, like I say, with a little bit better, more accurate goal kicking, would have been 60 nil. Yeah, correct. So I mean, that's massive. That's totally unexpected. All right. Well, let's let's move on to the next game, uh, the Friday night game. The early kickoff was another really tight, nug, rough affair, tight scoreline the whole night. Uh, the Panthers got up in that one, 48 nil against the Sharks. <laughs> Listen, I don't have a lot of notes on this game. Uh, Sharks were shit from kickoff. 
The Panthers dominated from the start. Eight tries to nil. Charlie Staines got a hat-trick. Chad Townsend, I don't know what has happened to him since he signed for the Cowboys. He was woeful. He got hooked in the second half. This was everything the Panthers have been all season. And, the, you know, they've shot themselves in the foot, the Sharks. He's, they clearly were playing for John Morris. And now that they've gotten rid of him, it's all fallen in a heap. Now, they're not going to make the eight. Uh, I don't know that there's much light at the end of the tunnel for the Sharks here and the Panthers keep keeping on. I mean, they've given up, right? Sean Johnson isn't playing well. Matt Moylan's not playing well. Like, it's, it's just, they're not trying. I think what's happened is, I think they're trying, but the extra effort you need to really, like, grind out wins and hang into games, it's gone. They were playing for John Morris. You know, they were they had a lot of injuries. And a lot of people coming off contract, I think. Yeah, you're right. People coming off contract. They probably were hoping to re-sign and play with, with John Morris. Whether you think he's a good coach or not, the players believed in him. And you could see the drop-off since he's been basically cut from the club. The, the the desire that they need to really grit out the hard moments of the games is gone. Yeah. I think they've lost a little belief. And like you said, a lot of them are leaving. They're not going through the motions. I just think it's hard to... They're not performing at their best at the moment. They're struggling. They're, they're trying until the first try gets scored against them. And then they're just like... Uh... Dropping their bundle. They're bottling it a little bit. The fight's gone. So And their belief. So, and just in regard to Penrith, I actually think watching the Storm score 10 tries against the Rabbitohs the night before, I actually think it fired them up as well as being in front of a packed Penrith stadium as well. I don't think they've had an 80-minute performance. I agree with that, but years. I don't think... I think they had another gear against the Sharks. I don't think that was full pelt. Gee, I reckon these... If this was semi-finals, that, they don't take the foot off. Like, that's 60 or 70. I mean, they did get to 48, and I thought they were just too crisp, some of their attacking play. And Charlie Staines, great hands, great awareness on the wing. Like, you give him half an inch, he either speeds past you. How good was Nathan Cleary, too? What about that dummy and pass? Oh, just... he's the Him and Tommy Turbo might be the two best... They're the two best players in the game at the moment. He's just in control. Like, it's almost like he's just picking his spots, picks his passes. I can see a man crush developing. Look at your eyes. You know, he wouldn't make the men of league. Skill, skills men of league, he would. Um, so I'm not quite sure. You know, watching Melbourne and Penrith, honestly, like two masterclasses on how to tear teams apart. With speed, skill, and versatile football. Passing short, long kicks. Every player playing a part in the game. And they're just way too good for the rest of the teams. Those two are light years ahead of everybody else. I think Paris the third best team in the comp. I said six teams could win it at the beginning of the year. I actually think the number's down to maybe four. I always thought the grand final would be Storm versus Penrith bar injuries. You should give yourself a pat on the back for that after round nine. Let's go back to one of your tips pre-season that weren't so, wasn't so good. What about the Bulldogs in 11? The Warriors not being in the 16-team comp, you mean? Yeah, a 15-team comp. Let's park <laughs> that for a side. What about the Bulldogs finishing 11th? How do you think that tip's going to go? That's a fan's optimistic view. You know what? You think you're being really harsh on them. I don't think you're being harsh on them enough. Anyway, let's move on to the next game on the Friday night. And what a brutal affair this was. It was the Eels versus the Roosters. Eels got up 31-18. Brutal game of football. The Roosters, with all their injuries, were again magnificent, hanging in there until the very end. Just to give you some idea, the Roosters made 152 more tackles. They just hung in there and hung in there. And we really only put the game to bed in the last 5-10 minutes. Parramatta had all the possession and territory, and still their first few tries came from kicks. But overall, they did show some patience, right? Scoring five and having another three ruled out by the bunker. So Ikevalu got three tries for the Roosters, and Sam Sam Walker again was superb. He's a real 
He's a real player, that kid. They, they really need to sign. He's off contract. Is that right? Yeah, he's off contract this year. I'm glad we signed Cole Flanagan. It's good Good you've done your research. Um, for the Eels, uh, I thought Junior Paulo and Regan Campbell-Gillard were superb. And Ryan Madison and Bryce Cartwright were also superb. So our forwards were magnificent against the Roosters. Um, all the talk after the game was about Neocor- the Neocore's hit on Teddy and, and Dylan Brown's knees into Drew Hutchinson. Clearly, Trent Robinson came out, and as I said earlier, he doesn't really bag the refs, but he absolutely gave it to them, rightfully so. But can I just also say, the referees have been poor all season. We've been calling it out all year. Agree. This is the first time it's really become an issue. We do wish Drew Hutchinson a speedy recovery from the punctured lung. Definitely, yeah. And he's actually off contract this year as well, and he's only on about 110, 120 grand a year at the Roosters. So hopefully he gets another wow. contract, another go. I look at him and how hard he tries and how what a tough professional he is. And I th- Good squad player. Great squad player. Some of these other teams could easily use someone like that. So, so you know, I, I hopefully he finds a team. We've beaten Souths. We've beaten the Roosters. I think we are the third best team in the comp. Yeah, I think that's without a doubt. I like the Rabbits because I love some of their magical players, but I think Parra's got a little bit more... Def- defensive starch, yeah. The Rabbitohs, even at full strength this year, have been pulled apart by some of the better teams when you stretch their defence. And Roosters have too many injuries and Raiders are nowhere at the moment, so... Parra is, to me, clearly the third best side. If Melbourne or Penrith have a little bit of bad luck during the semis... Para's a team that can, I think, will take advantage of that if that's possible. I think for Para to win the title, Panthers or Storm do need injuries. They do. They're, they're a class above everybody else. I agree. I don't think they're quite as good as Melbourne or, or the Panthers. You know, the funny thing is, T, I think defensively they're up there. They don't have the attacking potency to beat the Storm or the Penrith. That's what it is. I agree with that. But if you remember last year, because we did beat Panthers in, I think it was round 11 or whatever it was. Oh, last that defensive year. performance was, I don't know, it should have been like 60 nil at halftime. Yeah, correct, correct. And then we scored like three tries in eight minutes in the second half and we won at 16 12. So I think that that's the way. Para is going to beat the Panthers. It's not going to be. It's, we're not going to beat the Panthers thirty to twenty-four. I wrote down that it was quite eventful. I thought the Roosters really missed Brett Morris's speed on the wing. You could see Ikevalu had a good game, but you can kind of see they don't take advantage of space they create as well now with some of the speed missing in their back line. I thought they were really, really tough. The Roosters and I thought Parrot played pretty well. I, th- I love how, like I've said it before, Junior Polo moving around and popping up in different ways. Can I also say something, a liability in our defence this year, and it's been the last few games, Mike Acevo, his positioning's been really poor on a few few times. And again, he was caught out against the Roosters. He's either, he's either standing too far in, too compressed, or he's standing too wide. He just can't get the spacing right in defensive line and whether the team's sliding or up and in. His head doesn't seem to be in the game, I'd say, at times in defence is probably my thought. Are you suggesting Are you suggesting they should drug test Mike Acevo? No, I'm suggesting that um, I think, you know, they switch off. They've been playing so, such poor teams that all of a sudden you have to switch on in a different manner when you're playing these good teams. And I think some of these teams are struggling with that. The semis will be amazing because, look, look, that was a good game. The Roosters' para was a good game. High-intensity game. I thought Para was pretty good. I think the Roosters' defence pressured them into some mistakes. I don't necessarily think it was bad play. Reed Marnie was fantastic again until he went off. He's very creative at a dummy half. He has got a couple of errors in him. The first try came off of him making that break and then dropping the ball. But I think you need to live with that to have some of his you know, positives, which is some of that playmaking to, to give them a different look at times. But the difference is the Panthers and Storm, they make those same breaks and don't drop the ball. They, I know, they don't. Small mistakes against those two teams become 
big blowouts. Yeah, they punish you. I honestly think the signing of Bryce Cartwright could be genius for Para. I agree. He has been fantastic. You're talking about a player that's athletically like a centre, but really big enough and strong enough to be in the back row. But he's got agility. He can step. He can playmake. He can offload. He can create space. He can kick. He's unbelievably skillful. And to have him coming off your bench to but give But can he drive a manual car? Considering all the young people these days, he probably cannot. It's it's not a cool thing to do anymore like when we, when we were younger. But I find that he gives Para a, a different threat that a lot of teams don't have. I'll tell you what he gives you. He's actually like, he's got the ball playing ability of a half. Absolutely. Three passes out. So it's like positioning a 5'8 in the centre position. It's like if Cody Walker was playing left centre. He can kick, he can pass, he can get an offload away. He can, there's a lot he can do wide. So he's giving the defence a look at something they don't normally see. Reads the numbers like a half. He sees opportunity in space, right? And I, like you say, it's a, it's a look that a lot of teams don't have. Who else has a ball-playing second rower three passes wide of the ruck? If I think, I'm just thinking about. It. I think Isaiah Yo is manufactured. No, no, but he's not a ball player. He's, I, th- I find, I find Isaiah Yo, sixty percent of his game time is through the middle. To be honest, T, if I think about, it, I don't think there is a player like him in the comp. No, no, Pe- there isn't. Peachy, Peachy's a poor version of him. Tight, no, I, no, I, no, he's not because again, he's playing through the middle. He's thirteen. But I mean, like in terms of that sort of loose forward that can sort of ball play and he's got a bit of playmaking ability. That's not what. That's not his role though. That's not. What oh, I'm you're saying, talking yeah. about just on the fringe altogether. Yeah, someone's on the fringe there. It's like a, having a halfback on the fringe because if if you're if you've got runners off him. If, if you're the centre, remember, you're used to going up and down. That's the centre's role. Up and down, side to side. He's giving you diagonal angles. He can pass inside. He can grub her in behind yep. you. He's like a halfback there. He gives you looks that you don't see, right? And he's massive. He's like LeBron, like a point forward. Yeah, he's a big guy. He's actually huge and he's athletic and agile, right? So, look, I think it's a great signing. I thought Para were pretty good. Uh, I think they have enough numbers in attack. I thought Mitchell Moses played quite a good game. I thought so too. You know what? He didn't overplay his hand. And sometimes he does that in these games. He didn't overplay his hand. What I'd want to see from Mitch Moses, don't overplay his hand. He doesn't have to be the composed halfback hero. Still be aggressive and play his natural game, but don't try to control everything. I thought it was a good performance. He did a lot better this weekend. I thought he was in a big game. I thought he, he, he mixed his game up a bit, which I like. I think when you put him in a role where he feels like he needs to control and play the organising halfback role, it doesn't suit his strengths. But once he stepped up and kicked that field goal, it broke the Roosters' spirit towards the end. You know, they they had a good comeback. Adam Kieran kicked a great goal to keep them within six, and their resilience ran out. I think. If only his junior club had kept him, they could use him. Don't get me st- don't get me started. All right. Anyway, I thought it was a good game to watch. Eventful. Um, a bit of passion, unfortunately, some injuries and um, a good that win was the, for the Hills. Uh, for me, it was the game of the round. I know there was some closer scores, but that was high-quality football. Unfortunately, the Roosters just running out of They're running out players. of cattle. They're running out of players. Like, they hang in there and great attitude. A black cat crossed their path. I mean, luckily, they've got that large salary cap that they can just keep bringing players through. And look, we've signed Sonny Bill Williams for $42,000 a year. <laughs> They're starting to get, you know, some of these youngsters on the bench. They actually need them to perform when they've played like one first grade game. Yeah, but the, but they're going to be they're going to be better for it next year. I think they're going to be a real shot at the title next year, the Roosters, which is because of the experience their players are getting this year. Let's move on to the Super Saturday, uh, which wasn't as bad as it has been the last few weeks. There was three actually competitive games. Um, so first up was the Raiders versus the Knights. Um, it was the Raiders' fifth loss in a row and fourth game in succession where they collapsed in the second half. Um, in this game, they led 16-0 at halftime before losing the second half 24-0. 
Basically, the game changed at kickoff in the second half when Ponga kicked short and the Knights regathered and Raiders were asleep and then targeted the Raiders' right edge, scoring two tries to get the game back to 16-12. Jordan Rapana then made a break down the right on the first tackle, but he kicked infield for support with George Williams running through the middle, and, and that was completely the wrong play. He, he's that type of player. Sometimes he does lose his head. But because of that, Tyson Frizzell then scored for the Knights to put them in front, and Jaden Braley capped off a great game. Jaden Braley played really, really well there to ice the game for the Knights. Um, there's some real problems in Canberra, though. Um, I don't think it's fitness. Last year, last week, you asked me whether it was fitness for the Raiders in the second half. And I'll say this week what I said last week. I don't think it is fitness because it's not coming at the end of the game. It's coming straight after the kickoff when they're actually rested. So I think it's something mental. There is something going on there. There is rumours of a lot of unhappy pappies in the in the in the club oh not rumors i read an article from andrew webster which pretty much says ricky stewart's trying to sort out the problem players so there's some unrest yeah well that's that that's the rumor anyway so despite what everyone says and what brandy came out and says i think it would be ridiculous if jack white and gets named for origin this um revisionist history that he's actually playing really well the, t- the whole team's been playing like a dog's breakfast and Jack White has not looked like the player he was last year or the year before funny you say that because that's point is part of my notes I don't think well it depends on who else is available I have to say but if you're talking about 5-8 wise absolutely not he should be nowhere near origin I don't think he's in the centres either Matt Burden's actually playing much better than him if you're going based on form if Tedesco's playing at fullback yeah then your wingers are going to be in some order. Josh Adokar. Of course, yep. And it should be Brian Toe. Brian Toe, the other wing. Yep, if he's eligible for New South Wales. Yep, Therefore, sure. one of the centres will be Tommy Turbo. Yes. Um, so Jack White might get that other centre spot, though. Who am I missing? Burden, Crichton. Anyway, and 5-8, though, I agree with you. I don't think he should be the 5-8. I, think, I, I don't know what more Jerome Luai's got to do to get the 5-8 gig. Oh, Latrell Mitchell. Latrell Mitchell will be the other centre. Yeah, probably. But Jerome Luai is the 5 I, I wouldn't pick Jack Whiten. No, he, he's not He's not playing good enough. And I think what I don't like is there's too too much of this, their incumbents. Whereas you look at the 80s, the amount of plays that were unbelievable that missed out solely because, do you know what? Too bad, so sad. You know, Brett Kenny's playing better than Terry Lamb. Or the next year, sorry, Brett Kenny, you're in the centres because Terry Lamb's playing better than you at 5-8. The same thing happened with Steve Mortimer and, and Peter Sterling. Yeah, right? Sterling. They didn't both put them. They're just like, you know what? Steve Mortimer, you're playing better than Peter Sterling at the moment. So you're the halfback. And then when Sterlo was playing better, he got picked. But in general, you had to earn your spot. Whereas now it's like, oh, he played Origin four years ago and he did a good job, so he gets picked. It's like, mate, if he's not one of the four bets, five eights at the moment, shouldn't he be in the team? Even if you don't pick Luai, I think Cody Walker's better been a, been a better five eight this year too. Has been playing way better. So if it's not Luai, it's Cody Walker. The Raiders, watching them play, I know you say there's an issue, there's something not right, it seems, at halftime. I don't know if Ricky's not angry enough. Something's not right when they're coming out in the second half. They lack a lot of pace and attack at the moment. And I think they're, they're playing football. But when Jordan Rapana, who's 30, 31, and Jordan Rapana's a lot slower than he used to be, is your main attacking threat. You know, I don't think they're taking advantage of the space they're creating, whereas last year I thought they were. Or they're not over the course of 80 minutes. They're having spurts where it works. But over the course of 80 minutes, they're not. And that's what I'm seeing every week. They create some space, but they have to score really good tries to score generally. Who the who the Raiders? Generally, yeah. I think they've been pretty good in the first halves. I, I agree that their attack all season's been disjointed. I agree with that. But sixteen nil up, if I list the ten best players on that field by reputation, six or seven of them were gonna come from Canberra. Absolutely that right. Yes, correct. And yeah, and so if sure. you're sixteen nil up at half time, the Knights have injuries, Mitchell Pierce isn't playing. 
Sure, they've got Kalen Ponga back, but and I thought Connor Watson was quite good for the Knights again. I know I, I really rate Connor Watson. I just think that you've got to win those games, and this, this it always goes pear shaped for Ricky. All the clubs he's at, it always goes pear shaped after a while. Some of the defence from the Knights in the first half was a bit was terrible. I do think they miss Croker's speed in the centres a little bit. Like he, he's not overly fast anymore. But can I tell you something what? else about Croker? He has been playing disgracefully this year. I know he's only played a couple of games, but the one or two games he played wasn't. He, he's not hurt. He's dropped at the moment. I don't blame Ricky because he's been woeful. He's there, Wonga Blake, this year. But because he's the captain, because he's the goal kicker, you know, he's the bit, bit of the talisman for the club. But here's the dirty secret about Jared Croker for many years. He's his brilliance in attack, and it is brilliance. He's not an outright speedster, but he would find creases and create gaps in his passing and sometimes always score. His defense has been woeful his whole career, but he's covered it up with his attack. They get numbers in around him. Yeah, you're right. Now that his attack's not as good defensively, he's actually a, a, a negative for the side. Correct, and, and, and the teams are getting better at isolating the centers. Yeah, absolutely. Under right. the new rules, they're isolating him. So you can't get these bodies around Jared Croker to make up for the defense. So he's, You're getting caught in space. Yes, they're getting caught out. What about the Knights? What did you think of the Knights? Tough, big win for the Knights. Big win for the Knights. I know they don't have won a lot of games, but to be honest, they, they they grit out. They have a go. They're trying and they've got a lot of injuries. They've got a lot of injuries. And could I say to you the Knights have been absolutely thrashed and thrown in the towel in any of the games? And the answer would be no, like some of these other teams. And the Knights have got six, seven, eight injuries, you know? So And they were missing their best player. And they're very different. They're, they're able to take advantage of some of the space that their forwards create now with Ponga back. Oh, you mean their best player? You mean Blake Green, I assume you're talking about. Yeah, of course I do. You know, I think he gives them a little bit of that that extra bit in attack where the defence has got to watch him and hold off because he can step past them or they've also got to watch his pass and he can pass short or long. So I think that with his try, that's kind of what you see, what you saw. So I thought the Knights were very wholehearted. I thought it was a really good performance to come out with a win. I mean, you're down 16-0 and they still came back. I know Canberra's having those problems, but one thing I have noticed with Whiten, though, is like you say, the teams are isolating him in attack. Not when they're attacking him, but they're picking his runs now. Oh, yeah, that left foot step and straighten the line. He's got to do something different. He is not putting the defense in two minds. Is that the cat? No. So what I'm seeing now is that the defense is playing his run and he's trying to bust through the tackles like he used to and he's just not getting through. He's not getting through because they've got numbers and he's getting caught just short. I agree. He needs to he needs to vary his game a little bit. So if we move on to another spirited performance by the Tigers, only losing 28 to 36, the Titans getting up 36-28. The scoreline absolutely flattered the Tigers. It was 36-12 with 15 minutes to go to go. Neither team wanted to defend. The Tigers were asleep from kickoff. I mean, the Titans scored three <laughs> tries in three sets, including one that was from kickoff after a try, so they went back-to-back. Back. The Jimmy Dimmick attacking portfolio. You are selectively picking Jim Dimmick, but including a trademark long-distance one to Peachy after an AJ Brimson break. They led 18-0 after 13 minutes. So they did this against the, uh, the Broncos the week before as well, and the Broncos reeled them in. So this whole we're fading thing for the Titans is a real problem, right? Because they faded again. They faded again in the second half. My notes on this T were Titans up 18-0 after 14 minutes, but I was like, let's see how this goes. Oh, right. So you were right. Dave Fafita terrorized the Tigers' right edge. And can I just say, Adam Dewey was again superb for the Tigers, but Zach Sinney 
had a shocker he was back down to earth. Yeah. So um, where to for Madge? I mean, I don't know where they go. They, I love the West jersey. Can I also say that? The, this was a much better Tommy Rodonica's tribute jersey. Yeah. Can I just say, why didn't they wear that jersey when they said they were going to do the Tommy Rodonica's day in the first place? You know, they couldn't get the jersey done in time, obviously. And this was at Campbelltown. And I do it for both. You know? I, it looked so... great, though. The jersey looked great. So the Titans fans out there, typical Titans game. You're going to win games this year, 40 to 30, because you don't like defending. I've so, given up tip- tipping them. I'm giving up on the Tigers. They're playing the Knights. I'm tipping the Knights. At least I know what I'm going to get with the Knights. At least they're going to try. I love the Magpies jersey as well. It looked fantastic. The Titans looked a lot more direct with Tanner Boyd. Ash Taylor is a little bit more of a smoother player. No, I thought Tanner Boyd was better. You you even said it last week, bring him back into the team. So I think it was a good move. More direct and more aggressive and a, a lot fitter. Gee, I could roll a potato down the street and it'd be fitter than Ash Taylor. Yeah, I know. Can, can we just do with this 100-yard sprint downhill and I roll the potato and it'll win? Some of the football the Titans play, and this is why I love Dimmick as an, as an attacking coach, it's just, it's brilliant stuff. They, they score length of the field tries all the time. They, they chance their arm. It's fantastic to watch. I'll tell you what, if this team could defend, God, they'd be a tough out, but sadly, that's No, they don't like tackling. They don't like tackling. That's a problem. They're up 18-0 after 14 minutes. They've blown them away. They scored a try after kickoff, and that is very much a Jim Dimmick thing. You know, go for it. If you see the space, go for it, even if you're 80, 90 metres out. But I was not confident that they would still win the game, and the Tigers were woeful because with before you know it, it was 18-12. Well, if the Tigers played the way they did the week before, you know, they, 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 could, have, they could have potentially won this game, but they just, they just mentally weren't there at the races. I mean, I don't know. The Broncos, with all their athleticism, look how they made Brian Kelly look last week. He was terrible last week in defence. Absolutely. An abomination, really. He was. And look at this week. I mean, that's not because of anything he did. It's because the Tigers didn't throw enough at him. That's where I think the Tigers are not good. In that they try to play a very simple Madge game plan. Madge's game plan relies on intensity. I don't think it has any attacking variety. It's very structured. It's very rigid. And what you notice, as soon as they said stuff it, I know the Titans clocked off and their defense is terrible, but they racked up three tries in like instantaneously, right? The Titans, they have holes everywhere, but the Tigers seem to just, I know you've got to stick to your game plan, but mate, you've got to free up some of your players up a little bit. You've got to give them space to move and to operate within. There's two coaches that I think you're really hard on. I think one is Madge Maguire and I think the other one's Trent Barrett and we'll talk about it a little bit later. But not because I think they're great coaches. Don't get me wrong. That's not what I'm saying. But gee, the, the cattle is real. Both these teams have really poor lists. They do. But the thing is, they're not, not coached to their potential. Their potential might still be 14th. And I think that's the ta- that's the talent they've got. You look at the try that um, Leilua scored off the scrum. That was just so easy. And you wonder, it's like, well, why is it that you have to wait for a set play to attack the Titans' defence? They've shown all year they are incredibly vulnerable around the fringes. And they've got defensive holes everywhere. I don't think that was coaching. They weren't trying. Uh, this mental thing they've got where some games they try and others they don't, is my view. It's like, I don't think Maggie's a great coach. I don't think Trent Barrett's a great coach. The lists are terrible. I'm probably maybe too lenient on the players because I'm probably thinking they're not going out there and, you know, half-arsing an effort type of thing. Whereas you're pro- you're a little bit more like, hey, they're not really trying that hard and they're dropping their bundle a lot. So you kind of apportion a little bit more blame to the players than I do, I guess. So it's one of those games, like I said, hard to pick because you didn't know who would turn up. Well, I, I tipped the Tigers and I won't be doing that again this season. I did as well. I, the Titans played some, again, brilliant football to watch. They're running very heavy and they run out of puff very easy. So they can't, it's like they put their energy in attacking, then they don't have enough energy to attack, defend and don't want to. 
don't want to. What do you mean they don't have enough energy to defend? Defense is effort. Is we talk about Anthony Don a fair bit. Yeah. Um, he's really slowed down. Really slowed down. Yeah, I agree. But he's he's like thirty two though. I know he's getting on, but now you're starting to see the age. You know, before he'd make a break and he was always deceptively fast. Now it's like he's running at full speed and everyone catches him after. I mean, 10 I, I, I he is someone very underrated career Anthony Don. Very absolutely. Underrated. You never, you never talk about him as one of the better wingers, or but he actually has been a really good player. He scored 85 tries in 148 yeah. games for the Gold Coast Titans. That's, that's very good. That's pretty good. And they've been shit for yes, years. they haven't been great. Um, Do you know Anthony Don is the grandson of Ron Willey? I didn't know that. Ron Willey, one of the most amazing coaches um, yeah. we've had in the game. So didn't know that at all. There you go. They never even talk about that. That's what I mean. It's just under the radar, it's right? The, it's the media in Australia. It's unbelievable. T's Moses in by. Jeez, what a disappointing game. Oh, mate, he's just, he's, you know who he is? He's a little bit like Ash Taylor, Josh Reynolds, Anthony Milford, Moses Imbai. They had talent. They had potential to do more than what they could, but it all went up in a puff of smoke. Wrong coaches. like Wrong coaches, wrong positions. Yeah, like you watch, I'm telling you, I watch Moses Imbai come up. He had some instinct and he had sprinter speed. He's getting beaten by everybody. He's getting beaten by props constantly and he's not that old. It's just, you watch him play and you just, now I know what you mean. It's like, you may be thinking it's Moses Imbai from four or five years ago. Not, not you know, what he is now. He's shot, yeah. I mean, and this is the Tigers, right? He's their highest paid player. Bad performance by the Tigers. Oh, mm, yeah. Disappointing. Dis- disgraceful. I mean, it really was. The last game on Super Saturday was the Cowboys versus Broncos. The Cowboys and Broncos, all last 10 years, they've had humdinger of battles. Always a close game. Um, the Broncos led 18-12 with seven minutes to play in this one and got run down thanks to the Cowboys' two best players, Val Holmes, who has continued his good form since moving to fullback. Val Holmes was great. And Jason Tormalolo, whose second stint was back to his best. I mean, he had 20 hit-ups and 236 metres for the night. So really good game by Jason Tormalolo. Much, much more like it. Um, I think he played close to 70 minutes as well. I think he's someone who's conditioned to have some more minutes in his legs. So it's interesting that Todd Payton's uh, changed his tactics there with Tormalolo a little bit. Gave him two stints, but not as big a break. Again, media hasn't covered it anywhere. Um, It's now four wins out of the last five for your doppelganger, Todd Payton. As he said himself, outside of the Panthers, they haven't played the top tier teams yet. But you beat who who he's put in front of you, right? Correct. Still, Still pretty good. But they do have the Roosters this week. Um, can I just say, go, go, gadget arms. Kyle felt grounding on the first try. It was literally it. like go, go, gadget. Inspector gadget. He was unbelievable. I, I called him Doc, Dr. Octopus. So a little bit more of a modern reference. Yeah, sorry. I'm, I'm going with my references from the from the <laughs> 80s. So, oh, that could... Hey, do you, I've got a trench coat that looks like the Inspector Gadget one. <laughs> I actually agreed with Kevy. I thought on the balance of play, the Broncos were probably the better team. But just, I think the experience and, and talent of Tormalolo and Val Holmes got them got the Cowboys over the line in the end. Um, I wouldn't say it was a great game. It was a close game. It's exciting. Uh, it was exciting. Congratulations to the Cowboys for the Broncos. Kevy did say after the game that he thinks they're on an upward trajectory, and I think he's right. They are. They are. They really are. Can I tell you why they're on an upward trajectory as well for some of these? The six agains are not as noticeable as they were in round one. <laughs> okay. I do think, though, they're playing with a lot more confidence. They are, but the referees are also, you know, there would have been a quiet word saying this is not what we intended. The games are getting compressed a bit more. 
There's more breaks. Like, if you have a look, Ash Klein, the game Ash Klein refereed, he went to the video ref 120 times. It doesn't matter how many six... It doesn't matter how many six agains you give, right? Because the players are getting a rest. Very stop-start. Some, some of them, I think, are close. But um, on this game, you can see the Broncos are playing with a lot more speed of execution and a little bit more belief in attack. You know, they're trying. They believe that they can score. There's, a, there's an uptick in their performance. Tavita Pangai Jr., for most of the year... When he's been given the belief by Kevin Walters, he's done some played some weird games with some of the players. He's done some weird games. <laughs> like Anthony Milford, you put, was fantastic. Then he gets dropped. Then he was playing crap in reserve grade. Then he gets promoted. But um, I think Tavita Pangai Jr. has been sensational. Nah, my favourite one with Kevy was the whole off season. Tom Dearden was your starting <laughs> halfback, and then three days before the first game, you put Brody Croft in there. Like, brilliant. Yeah, this is what I mean, right? So it seems to be whenever Tavita Pangai Jr.'s got that belief, I think he's he's playing really. Tavita really Pangai well. Jr. and Payne Haas, great. And Tavita Pangai Jr. is almost, I would say, athletically unmatched as a forward in the in the whole NRL. Um, the size, the agility, his ability to um, move laterally is almost almost no one can match him can i also give another cowboy a rap cohen hess has been so much better since they've turned him into a prop yeah he's a middle forward now you were right he's 100 percent. he's still not as agile as some of the other players but they can't isolate him on the fringes now so defensively the cowboys i feel have improved since he's moved into the middle and it suits his game a lot more so I think that's been a really big change to the Cowboys. They're not getting beaten through the fringe forward space. I don't think it was a high quality game. And there was some, you know, defensive misreads, but both teams had real desperation in defense. Um, you know, last ditch tackles. So th- there was a lot of dis- desperation in defense. I agree with From that. both sides, which I thought was pretty cool. Jesse Arthur's trial was fantastic football. Um, you know, the whole team got involved. Milford was aggressive and assertive in attack, drawing the defense, taking a hit. I thought Milford was better. I thought Milford was better this game, yeah. Moses Pango, um, Tavita Pangai passed Moses, out. Moses Pangai. <laughs> Moses Pangai, gee, I'll just change his name. <laughs> Moses, Moses, Moses Pangai, Bill Williams. Yeah, Moses Bowen in the, in, the, in the centres for the Cowboys. I think you said that having Justin O'Neill missing, I thought it, you're, you're right, it sort of sped up their fringe defence a little bit and I thought Jarvid Bowen made them a little bit tighter there. And Val Holmes, like you say, he's coming into his own again, hey T? You don't just know this. He's weekend at Bernie's. He's like a corpse. He's getting there. He's, he's getting there. Set up. The winger, the winger has to go move his arm up so he can Hey, can you move to the left? He just grabs him by the arm and oh shifts God. him over. It's like those dummies, you know, when you watch yeah. soccer and they've got those those free kick dummies. That yeah, 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 the wall, the wall, yeah. You just move them. Um, so I thought Val Holmes is, again, starting to really find his feet now. He's getting involved and really injecting himself all the time in the game, which is making a big difference to their attack. You know, the Cowboys are a bit better. I thought Milford ran out of puff towards the end and he got isolated by Clifford when they made that break. When that's they were right, ahead. that's right, that's he right. He got caught out. It is because Milford's 37 kilos overweight, though. That, that was, also that, could that, be part of it. Could have fit this. And, you know, the, um, you know, I'd love to see Herbie Farnworth in a good side, in a really good team. He's got... He's a good player. I think... I, I think... I look at that... Uh, Jermaine Asako, Z- I know Xavier Co- Xavier Coates, Herbie Farnworth. They've got some good players, man. They do. They They've need a spine. That's their... Pro- they, need, they need some halves and a hooker. And I think their forwards don't quite match the modern game. No, but if you've got a halfback and a hooker there yapping at them the whole game and keeping them honest... You reckon it'll help that? Yeah, a little. I think. I think. I think it makes a big difference. An exciting game and a great and an exciting finish. You know, the Cowboys scoring and Val Holmes kicking the field goal. I want to say one thing, right? 
you know, towards the end, where you, the cow, the Broncos might have had a chance to take a two-point field goal. Yeah. Herbie Farnworth got dragged over the sideline. Yeah, he did. He did. That's right. I was going to mention this as well. That was held. His momentum stopped, and they dragged him back off the ground and kept on going. I did think it was a 50-50 call. I didn't think it was clear-cut either way. The ground, the ball hit the gra- um, ground. His knees were stopped, and then they still kept on going with the tackle. And then we've gone back to the, you can keep on dragging them for 10 metres and send them out again. The point is, sometimes it's given as a penalty, and sometimes it's not. I thought... I thought that should have been given a penalty, particularly given the the point of that game. I mean, but this is the inconsistency in the refereeing. The refereeing this year has been terrible. It's actually been the worst. It's actually been the worst it's been for a few years. But I have one question for you though. Fire away. The Cowboys are improving, definitely, right? Can I reserve judgment on that till they play a good team? I know, but they didn't turn up for the first few games. We felt like Todd Payton was challenging the old, you know, player power there. Do you think that that caused enough? problems at the start for there to be a little bit of blowback in terms of effort and then now everyone's kind of on the same page again I, I think it could be I think I think it's really I think it's really important he had a decision to make when he came into that club he was either going to be one of the boys or he was going to be their coach and if he was going to be the coach there were some standards and cultures cultural things he wanted to put in place and that's the path he went down long term we'll find out whether that was the right thing to do but I do think that club needed a uh it was, you know, you won't get this reference, but some of the fans out there that listen to our pod will. The Brumbies, when they were really big in Super Rugby, when they were winning year after year and they were the best Australian yeah, franchise. Yep. Yeah. Stephen Larkham. Stephen Larkham, George Gregan, all those yep. boys. Um, there was a sense of, particularly when Rod McQueen was coaching, there was a sense of Sterling the players. Sterling Mortlock. Sterling yep. Mortlock. The players were running the, the team. And I think the Cowboys was a little bit like that. And I think that's what did Paul Green in in the end. So I think he really needed to break that. He put his foot down to say, you guys aren't running this team, I'm running this team. Because I remember you said that, and that came to me watching the game, that I think that caused problems at the beginning. And I think he's kind of now starting to get them on board. But it's taken a couple of months. You can't play the Broncos every week. I know, I know. All right, let's move on to the Sunday games. First up was Manly versus the Warriors. Manly got up 38-32. Great game, actually. It was just no defense at all, but fuck, there was some great no. attacking football. <laughs> this is the Tommy Turbo game. The Tommy Turbo. He's, oh, he's 100th. Mate, is that what drool? a player. Is yeah, that true? So. I think so. I hope so. It is. There was some so there was some soft tries in the first half with Tommy Turbo scoring a first half double. Basically, hey man, just come right through our forward line through the middle of the ruck without a hand. The first four tries were very just poor defense by everybody. Everyone, even the attackers had poor defence. Yeah. Chanel Harris-Tavita was back for the Warriors and he beat, he got put over by Nick Arima. I mean, both Nick Arima and Chanel Harris-Tavita are combined 90 kilos ringing wet and they went right through the forwards of Manly. Most of, most of the weight is in Cody Nick Arima's thighs too. That's right. Anyway. Is that drool again? <laughs> and Josh, yeah, and jo- no. Josh Curran scoring when, when Manly dropped a Nick Arima bong. Um, the yeah. Warriors led 2012 at halftime. Much like the... Last week, the Warriors didn't come out for the second half and Tommy Turbo killed them. Um, and Manly scored five tries in 15 minutes and Jason Saab got an 11-minute hat-trick to go up 36-20 before Chanel Harris-Tavita scored off another drop bomb to make it 36-26. Um, uh, and the bomb was from Reese Walsh this time. Um, Josh Curran for the Warriors had a running battle with the Manly pack a whole game. I don't know whether you noticed this, but other than the try was terrible. He made three errors and got put on report for a shoulder charge, but he was yapping at them the whole game. Um, they did three playmakers. Again, another team that's trying the three playmakers. They had Nick Arima at dummy half and they had Reese Walsh and Chanel Harris-Tavita. So, you know, that's something that's creeping into the game as well. And more and more teams are doing that. Manly do it. 
The Warriors did it this game. Souths do it, so it was really, really interesting. Reese Walsh then scored off a Jazz Tavanga offload, and it was a really tough try, right? It was a lot of contact for both of them to make it 38-32. And then Jason Saab had a killer last few minutes. He defused the bomb and then had a match-winning tackle on Ken Mamolo in the corner to save the try. Tommy Turbo in his 100th game had two tries, four try assists, eight tackle busts, five line breaks, Three line break assists at 197 metres for an absolutely monster game. Him and He and Nathan Cleary, best best players in the world at the moment. I love the fullbacks, but like I said, at their best, Tommy Turbo, the best fullback because he's got everything. He's got the speed of a Pappenheisen. He's got the ball skills. No one has a bigger influence on their team than Tommy Turbo. No. There's reasons for that too. He's involved in the game so much the last few few games as well. He's everywhere. He's tall. He's hard to bring. He's center. He gives them something they don't have, right? He reminds me a little bit of Paul Hoff, but with more skill and more speed, right? Because his center of gravity is actually so high. And that's the thing. He can ride tackles and bust through tackles too. Correct, correct. He's not a typical body shape. Not not for a fullback with that pace, no. And for once, and for once, Desi hasn't put 48 kilos on him. Probably now, I would say, looking at his body type, is the heaviest he should be. You, you probably do with a little bit, a couple of kilos down, but if he gets any heavier, you're, you're taking away his agility and his movement, which makes him special, right? I don't know. I'm really happy to see Jason Saab playing well. I don't know why. I just thought he looked very unhappy at the Dragons. It was a miserable culture. And you can start to see him play with a lot of joy. And Manly's got some freaking... With Tom Turbo and Saab there, they've got some strike power. They're really playing well. They're really playing well, mate. He burnt Roger Tuovasa-Shek, and Tuovasa-Shek already turned around and tried to chase him down. He was gone. And last week, he left Dylan Edwards for dead with no space. He's like their, their version of Addo Carr, except that Saab's got to get the ball moving first. They're, they're into ninth. Yeah, I think they're, they're the team that's going to replace the Sharks and the Titans. In fact, six, the Raiders have fallen away. I thought the top eight was basically set, but have a look at this from... 6 to 12. Dragons, Titans, Warriors, Seagulls, Knights, Cowboys, Raiders. That's going to be a that's going to be a good battle for those last three spots in the 8. I mean, I think I think the top 5 will run away with relative to everyone else. I it's actually I'm, I'm happy that the season's turned around a little bit. It has for a few teams. Like for look, it's good to see Chanel Harris Tavita back um, linking up with Nikarima. There goes my prediction of Reese Walsh being in the six for the rest of the year from last week. That last didn't last long. I thought him, I, I said that um, Chanel Harris Tavita probably won't get back in the team. You say that, but they played so much of this game with three playmakers. And that's when they looked the most dangerous anyway, when they had the three of them on the field. Just focusing on Tommy T. And he popped up in the middle through as a gap runner. And then the second try he scored, yes, it was crappy defense, but he caught it on the fringe, stepped through, accelerated, and then busted through three or four tackles and powered his way over. So two totally, totally different tries. But I, I thought the Warriors relied a little bit on, you know, Roger Tuovasa, Sheck, Magic, and then just barge overs and bombs. And until they got too, so far behind, they started to play football and they racked up the points pretty quick. And this is a recurring theme with them. It seems like when they chance their arm and try to play football, they are very good. They do have defensive issues, don't get me wrong, but they take advantage of the talent they have. But when they're trying to grind out these wins, it never seems to quite work. But they're in the eight. Maybe Nathan Brown's slowly adjusting things, and we'll have to wait and see. But I think if he tries to keep that grind out mentality, they'll probably fall in because they might be a little bit too good for the Knights with all the injuries and one or well, two Well, and teams. it depends on the... T- like, if, pa- pa- if Para runs out of cattle for this game and they don't get special dispensation from the NRL... Might rack up a win. They could come over the back of the Eels towards the end of the game, right? Look, T, for me, the other thing is... I've really, been really impressed with Morgan Harper. I think he's made a real difference to that right edge for Manly in attack. He's not the biggest guy in the world, but he's he's got... He has made a big difference. He's just defensively very good. 
and he's mobile and he can pass the ball. He's actually a really, he's a very good center. He, is, he knows how to position his player a lot better. Um, pity, you know, the team that used to have him before didn't keep him. But um... who was that? I can't remember who that was. Do you want to remind? We'll cover them in the next game. I should come up with the top 11 of the plays that are floating around. On... You should, but you know what would be even better than that? Yeah. The top 13, given it's actually rugby league, not football. Oh, God. Actually, yeah, shit. Didn't forgot about that. <laughs> but what, what, what's. What I've noticed Tommy Turbo's done is that he's such a threat running or passing that the defence has to Although some of his even... passes in the first half, like, oh, we, we gloss over this stuff. He, his passing right to left was terrible in the first half. There were, one, went, one went out like 10 miles over someone's head and the other one went to someone's foot and they dropped it. 98% of T- Tommy Turbo's perfection. <laughs> um, his hamstrings in the passing left to right isn't, but... Um... It's, it's, um, I think what you notice is when he's floating around in the back and he's always involved and it looks like he's going to get the ball, is the defense has to cheat to watch him. You can see them going, they, they, the guy pulls out a bit more in case he gets the ball. So it allows Cherry Evans now and Trebojevic to go short if they need to, to another runner because the defense isn't cheating inside. They have to watch Tommy Turbo. Dylan Walker didn't have enough speed or anything, so that it wasn't a threat. And I think that's opened up Manley's attack and given each player a bit more space to operate in and I think that's where he's made the biggest difference is there there, the defense is watching him whether he's running as a decoy or or a threat to come around the back and get the ball so it's given them greater variety honestly just seeing Jason Saab and Tom Trebojevic and in full flight do you want to mention Tommy Turbo and Jason Saab again oh fantastic is it is it true for your next birthday you want a Jason Saab birthday cake if he's popping out of it sure ah excellent it'd have to be a pretty tall birthday cake though not not creepy at all Okay. No, all right. All. It's back. Our, your f- oh, no. kind of want to talk about this. All part. right, guys. Back. It's back. Your favorite segment. Once again, grab yourself a beanbag. Light the candles. Turn the lights off. Get the mood just right. How about light your hair on fire? Light the Gra- candles. Grab, grab, grab yourself a bottle it's of Johnny Walker Blue. It's about the only thing Trent Barrett has going for him. A couple of hair. nips of whiskey. Get one of those and big blocks good. of ice and put it in as we settle in for G's. Bulldogs hour. So, this was the second worst game of football I've seen in my life after the Bulldogs versus the Broncos from earlier like this I year. I told you, I texted you that I was listening to the coverage on the radio until I watched the game later, and someone tweeted that, and the commentator's response was, oh, I don't know if it's the worst game I've ever seen in 30 years, but did you see the Bulldogs and Broncos first half from earlier this year? I think that was a lot worse. Oh, they just... And I'm like, does this sum up the game or what? In 35 <laughs> years hell. of watching footy, this was the second worst half football I've seen. Scrappy, disjointed, start to the game by both teams before Dufty scored which was the worst tackle. It was an arm. It was a Luke Burt special from Dallin Wateni Zalesniak. Can I just say, how many fullbacks or supposed inverted commas fullbacks does a team need? Nick Meany, Dallin Wateni Zalesniak. Wait, Will Hopawadi, Josh Adokar's going there for fullback to play fullback. It's called Trent Barrett has no idea what he's doing because Adokar... I'm surprised Nick Kotrick didn't want to play fullback. Chotrich now, apparently. He's changed his name because I think he wants to disassociate himself with the artist formerly known as Nick Kotrick. He was actually effective. He's like a totally new person now. It was just a terrible game. It was 6-0 to Saints at halftime. 
Dragons went on with it in the second half. Went on with it? Well, it's 32-12 in the end. It was like a bloody car that slowly was just going down the road because it was getting pushed by somebody. Correct, it's correct, like, correct. Eventually, it was going to get there, right? I thought Luke Thompson was the Bulldogs' best and, and Dufty was good for the Dragons. Um, Did you watch Luke Thompson's defence? I mean, at least he got, at least he hit the ball up hard. I mean, there was nothing There was nothing of note other than that to talk about from the Bulldogs. You guys no. are terrible. Kyle Flanagan got benched, and so he should have been. He was terrible. And this is why he wanted Blake Green. I mean, I, gee, I'll hand it over to you, but that was pathetic. That was pathetic. Um, pathetic isn't the word. The great news for me is that I have a free dinner coming because my friend who goes for the Dragons hasn't watched much footy this year and he was adamant that the Dragons were going to lose because they're terrible. And I specifically told him, mate, I don't think you've watched the Bulldogs this year. Did he watch the game? Did he, did he watch the game and go, what the hell was that? After about 10 minutes into the second half, he's like, where are we eating? <laughs> <laughs> I said, I told you, you haven't seen how bad they are this year. The first half was, I mean, is that football? Is that football? That was It's basically terrible. one team that can't score a try. And this is why I get so angry at Trent Barrett. It's not the losing. It's the fact that it's week nine and the team doesn't even look like scoring a try from open play. That's disgraceful. That's coaching. I'm sorry. You could have the worst cattle in the world. In this day and age where they you have seven tackle sets and all, everything's geared towards the attack, you don't even look like scoring a try from open play. That means something's wrong with your game plan and your tactics and the way you're using the players. I did some research into the Bulldogs the last five seasons, including this one. Des Hasler's last season as well, so 2017 oh, to 2021. Yep. So 11th, 12th, 12th, 15th, 16th. Yeah. Um, points per game. Yeah. yeah. Okay, from 2017 yep. to 2021 is 15. The rot started under Des, by the way. 15, 18, 14, 12, 10. Put points per game. Scored. So your attack has gotten 33% worse in five seasons. But here's your problem, buddy. Your defence over the last five seasons. Points per game conceded from 2017 to 2021. 19, 20, 20, 21, and this season so far, 31. Your actual defence has gotten 66% worse. Here's the problem, right? Whilst you may not have liked Dean Pay, um, he was he was actually focusing on the right things. I didn't like I didn't think Dean Pay could coach in terms of or an attacking game plan or putting players in position to succeed that way. But one thing that he did seem to get out of the plays is they used to have a dig and hang in games. And sometimes they would win because they, they defended pretty well for a lot of the games and sometimes you get lucky, right? But the team was scoring more points under Dean Pay. Players that we have in this team now looked a lot better under Dean Pay too. Not that they looked great, but they looked like they might have something or something to work with. Under Trent Barrett, if you watched a Bulldogs game this year and you had never seen any of these players play ever before, you'd go, all these guys shouldn't even be in the NRL at all. Yeah, it's been a rough rough five years for the Bulldogs supporters. Corey Allen, as much as I totally disagreed and I thought I don't think he's that good anyway, he did play State of Origin, which apparently means something, last year. Oh, Corey Allen was the other fullback I forgot. you got five fullbacks, none of whom can play fullback. Right. Nick Meany he can't use because he doesn't know how to use him. Well, he's the one, he's probably the one that is a natural fullback. Yes, he is. And then you could see it and he's the only one with any speed. You could see it from the intercept. He easily ran away from everybody. Yet he has never gotten the ball all year in any space whatsoever. Except for the intercept. Except for the intercept. That's right. Except for when he stepped three or four guys against the Broncos. But that's it. 
in terms of getting the ball in play with some kind of attack, he hasn't gotten the ball in space once. Um, well, Tenny Zelezniak has proven he can't play fullback. He is a decent winger on a with a, on a good team. He's not a great winger on a bad team. And Hopawadi is so slow. Poor Will. He was your player of the year last year. I thought he was quite good for you guys last year. He's noticeably lost speed. He's noticeably lost speed and he's getting isolated in the centres and he can't... You've got to bite the bullet like... Tra- Give him a different role. Play him at 5'8". He's got good hands and good ball skills, Will Hopawati, right? Put Avarillo in the centres. At least he's faster. Isn't that what the police description of you said? Good hands and good ball skills? I would say, yeah. That probably sums me up quite well. That's um, from playing Aussie Rules when I was younger. Really? Good hands, good ball skills. Yeah. yeah. What um, position did you play Aussie Rules? Midfield. Did you? For how long? Two minutes at a time? No, in the backyard. Oh, right. Was Big field. Yeah, okay. Yeah, huge field. Nick Cottridge again. Like, mate, created an overlap when there wasn't one by running in. For the opposite. The Dragons, both of them were in slow motion. Well, both teams were terrible. Except the Dragons just had a faster frame rate than the Bulldogs. That's all it was. Can I just say, if Blake Green, if you had gotten Blake Green with with his ACL injury, with his ACL injury before he recovered, he would have been the fastest person in your back line. In a wheelchair. It may, it may be. It's looking that With way. With crutches. And Luke Thompson in defence. Mate, I don't care if you can lift a bulldozer with one hand while you're doing one hand with the other hand while you're doing one hand push-ups and your chest is gigantic and you've got big muscles. If you can't turn side to side and make a tackle, you need to be dropped. He's oh, like yeah. The, His defence was terrible. He's like the English muscly version of Dylan Napa. He's very lazy in defence. Gee, you might be the first team to score negative points in a game. It's actually possible. And the Melbourne Storm defeated the Bulldogs this week. 97 points to minus four. The the poor the poor Vaughan <laughs> try was just disgraceful. He just ran through like three guys and there was a gap when there was four guys on the... Like, after a set defence, it's like, how does that even happen? And the two tries we score, this is what I mean by Trent Barrett's coaching. One was from a strip and the other one was from an intercept and it's literally been that way all year we haven't looked like scoring a try from open play and he sits there and hooks his halfback mate because he said he wasn't following the game plan i think it's you it's not the halfback like kyle flanagan isn't as good as they probably said he was going to be but he's not this bad oh yeah he's this bad his confidence has created he's this bad gee remember what i was saying about him last year at the roosters he was this bad but he was getting made to look better because of the players around him yeah you did say that another thing i'll point out is Corey allen handpicked by trent barrett hooked from fullback kyle flanagan handpicked as a future playmaker by trent barrett hooked mate you, you know sometimes i wonder his winning percentage and i will do this over the course of the next week oh no that's it you won't you do no research it'll be weeks we're waiting for this we'll be waiting for this for months okay maybe in a month his winning percentage at manly when he made the eight i wonder how many of those games were the result of tom trapojevich playing in general and when he was missing if he won 30 percent of his games or 10 percent of his games because what i see from the bulldogs He's basically sent every player backwards. Every player's confidence has disappeared. It's actually a debacle. And Josh Adokar and Matt Burden and whoever else he wants to fucking recruit isn't going to make a difference. They'll solely make the team better just because they're a little bit better. But Trent Barrett is... I thought Dean Pay was bad. I think Trent Barrett's worse because now they don't even tackle. Dean Pay didn't coach any attacking football whatsoever. And guess who our halfback was? Luke Lewis, who people think can't play and isn't a halfback at all and couldn't kick... 
And now we've got a proper halfback with the skills, Kyle Flanagan. The team looks a thousand times worse. I don't know what to say. I just think that he's got a three-year contract, right? I don't think the club can afford to wait out another coach's contract just to see if they're right or not. I think if they don't see the right signs, if can him as fast as possible, because the club can't afford another four years in the doldrums and then another rebuild. So then it becomes 15 years before you make the semis. And it's not that hard to make the semis these days. Mate, the Perth Bulldogs. What did you call them? The... The Marimbala Bulldogs. <laughs> no, Darwin. I'm after a Dar- team in Darwin, remember? That was hilarious. Why don't they have a team in Darwin? Because no one lives there. Yeah. Okay. You're ho- you, mate, you're hooking your players. Like, you're hooking... Why did Steve George Arliss make this team look better? Same cattle. All right. I think I think there's some thought, thought-provoking thought comments yeah. there from G. Trent Barrett has friends in high places. And what from I've noticed lunati- is... From the lunatic G. And this is what I mean about the, the press. And we talk about this all the time. Why is it they go after some coaches who are rookies... And then people like Trent Barrett, all you ever hear about is poor Trent Barrett. Oh, unlucky. Tell you why. Because the leading columnist in the game doesn't know what the block feature is on Twitter and then reports it like it's a fact with no one fact-checking him in the leading rugby league newspaper in the country. I mean, it's just, it's it's diabolical. The media coverage of the sport is diabolical. It is diabolical. The Dragons, I don't know what to make of the Dragons, except they just beat who was put in front of them and they were always going to win. Well, it's a buy. It's a buy. It's a buy. I think it was honestly really good for them to get a win and hopefully it will sort of perk up their performances a little bit because they've gone a bit flat. But they really need to get Dufty involved in the game. I don't think he's a flat track bully. I know you, you were going to mention that before. I don't think he is. I just think sometimes he seems to be involved in the game and and seems to be played in the game as part of the tactics and other times... And why is that Why is, why is that only against the teams that are crap? Well, was it last year he won... He kept Saints in games or nearly won them games against some of the good teams? Sure, but I'm saying this year. Is he a flat track bully? Well, he played really well against Para and I wouldn't say Para was a crap team. He was okay. a difference he's in not. that game. He's not. Okay. Okay. I think I think they don't know how to use him, and I think part of it is they're not sure because he's small. Because he's still unsigned, right? But whenever he's involved and hunting for the ball, the Dragons look an infinitely better side. And Corey Norman looks like a better player. Yep. All right. Thank you, G. For You went strong. You took the hit up right from the kickoff. You did really well, but you dropped the ball. Thanks, um, Trent Barrett, for a free dinner. I appreciate it. Excellent. Thanks. There's a man who really, really follows his team. All right, let's. Mo- that brings us to the end of the round nine review, and let's move on to the round ten preview. Um, there's no Thursday night game this week, so we have got three games on the Sunday, two on the Friday, and Super Saturday again. So first up, early kickoff on the Friday night is the Tigers versus the Knights. The Tigers are two dollars sixty outsiders. The Knights are a dollar fifty, and the Tigers have five and a half point start. I am no longer tipping the Tigers for the rest of the season unless they play the Bulldogs. So I am tipping the Knights because at least I know what they're going to get and I'm not sure what I'm going to get from the Tigers. I'm tipping the Knights because I'm like you. I tipped the Tigers last week. Oh, that's the last time. Last time Last time I tipped them. I don't know what I'm going to get from the Titans either. but The Tigers. No, from the Titans or the Tigers. So yeah. after last week's performance, at least like we said, the Knights turn up they they have a dig, they have injuries, but they've got players that are really that really put in all the time. And they'll be up and about um, after that win against the Raiders, right? Yeah. Good second half got, comeback. You know, Connor Connor Watson is in his rightful place, I think, at lock. They've got Brayley, they've got um, you know, Ponga. Yeah, they've got they've got a, a few tries in their side, so I'm tipping the Knights and I think they'll I think they'll beat them and I don't I can't see the Tigers 
doing anything unless Dane Laurie has an unbelievable game. He seems to be, and Adam Dwayhe, they're the two that seem Adam, to Adam be... Adam Dwayhe will have an amazing game. He's been playing really good for them this season. I don't think it'll be enough. Him and Dane Laurie, I think, are, are flying a solo flag. I don't think it'll be a high-scoring game, though. I think it'll only be one or two tries in this one. Like, difference between the teams. So, if we move on to the Channel 9 game on Friday night, it's Manly versus the Broncos at... Uh, Lotto Land, Manly are $1.35 favourites. The Broncos are $3.25 outsiders and the Broncos have an eight-point start. I think Manly will win this game. I think they're in irrepressible form and I think there'll be a few points in this one, but I think they'll cover the eight points as well. Tommy Turbo, what a player. I'm expecting this to be quite an open game. I agree. I think the Broncos are, uh, you know, you're getting the Xavier Coates and Herbie Farnworths and... Um, even Jesse Arthurs has started to make a difference. They're just like we said, playing with a little bit more swagger. They're not winning, but I think they're believing this year that they can compete a little bit. But Tommy Turbo and you know he's going to lead the Eagles to the promised land. He's like he's like the Brookvale Jesus. Unbelievable! What a player. What about Jason Saab? <laughs> he's Moses. He's Moses Pangai Jr. It's um. Moses, Moses, Pangai, Bill Williams. Yeah, Moses. I can't see the Broncos having enough in defence to stop Tommy Turbo, but I expect them to throw a little bit at Manly, but Manly's going to be too good now. They're, they're just like you say, they're, they're playing really well. They matched the Panthers for a little while at Bathurst. You know, they They were gritty. They were gritty against the Panthers. Yes. All right, so we move on to Super Saturday, and the Raiders have the bye against the Bulldogs. Um, the Bulldogs are $5.50. The Raiders are $1.15. The Bulldogs have 15.5-point start. The Raiders will be played into a bit of form. I think they'll win this game. For the Bulldogs to chase them down in the second <laughs> half, I mean, they're going to be they're going to they're going to be forty points down at half. Time. Yeah, that would require a try. The Raiders will win this and win win it easily. I just think the Bulldogs games, instead of having commentary, it should just have the Benny Hill soundtrack. I think we're getting to that. Do you know what? Sadly, that's actually probably the truth. The other thing that I thought about is, and we talked about this earlier. I think you get a thirty nil result if you forfeit so to any of the bulldogs fans that are out there whenever we play a really strong team and the score is probably going to be 40 or 50 nil i suggest we storm the field just like the manchester united fans and get the game called off and get a forfeit and our four and against will be a lot better uh i just want to say that g is speaking on his own behalf and he's not his views are not <laughs> representative of the gnt show or t <laughs> the raiders win easily oh my god all right Next up, it's Sharks versus Souths um, at Cogra. The Sharks are $3.25 outsiders. The Souths are $1.35, and the Sharks have eight and a half points. Start. Magic round this week. It is. Oh, that. sorry, I forgot about it. All, magic round. So all the games are in yeah. Brisbane. So yep. Suncorp Stadium, which is a great stadium. I mean, that, they must be pumped for the um, Tigers-Knights game. How about the... Fr- how about the Saturday? The Raiders and the Bulldogs and the Rabbitohs and the Sharks. Jeez. Oh, just I look, the Sharks, I mean, they just haven't been trying, right? I don't know why they'd try this week in Brisbane. They'll be out on the town having a few cans. I think I think Souths will get this. I think Souths has got this covered and the fact that the Sharks lost to the Bulldogs after watching the Bulldogs and Dragon game, it's still can't, it's still unbelievable. I just can't tip a team. You know that show Unsolved Mysteries? You remember yeah, we correct, had the, correct. That, that's that that's what that game is. How the hell they lost that game? It's the I'm moon landing, in. the Bermuda Triangle and how the Sharks lost to the Bulldogs. Like the Dragons literally sleepwalked through that game and still steamroll steamrolled them. But the Sharks like we're making fun of it, but the way they've played the last two games especially, honestly, they've been terrible and the Rabbitohs just... What's the opposite of magic? It's crappy round at Suncorp Stadium. (laughs) 
<laughs> the games are terrible. All right. The Rabbitohs easily, I think. And I don't think Wayne Bennett will be happy with the 50 new result in Melbourne either. Moving on to the last game of Super Saturday. This will be a closer game than the odds suggest, I would think. I think it's the Roosters versus the Cowboys. Roosters are $1.28 favourites. Cowboys are $3.75 outsiders. The Cowboys have 10.5 points start. I think the Roosters have a lot of injuries. I'm stuck on this game. I'm tipping the Roosters, but I don't think it'll be by 10.5. In fact, I think the Cowboys could get up here, but I think it'll be the Roosters just. I think this will be a good game, close game. I just, that Roosters defense is hard to break down. Yes, and this, this is where, that, that's what's going to swing it for me, is that I think the Roosters defense will hold out the Cowboys attack enough for them to score the points to win the game. Like I think it'll be really close because the Roosters are down on personnel and the Cowboys are playing a lot better. You know, the Roosters' defense and attitude is superb and I think they'll they'll do just enough to beat them and they'll have just enough in attack with Sam Walker there um, to beat the Cowboys. And I'd imagine um, Lachlan Lamb will be back this week to replace Drew Hutchison. So, and Joseph Sawali will probably make his debut this week. All right, so if we move on to the Sunday games in Magic Round, the first up early kickoff is the Warriors versus the Eels. The Warriors are $3.25 outsiders. The Eels are $1.35 favourites, and the Warriors have 7.5 points start. This is another one that all other things being equal, if the Eels get dispensation, I think the Eels will win. If they've got to go into this game with 17 fit players, you know, there is a possibility that the Warriors run over them at the end of the game. Uh, look, I think that's a possibility if the Eels have a lot of bad luck, like maybe with um, head knocks or, you know, HIAs or injuries. I just think the Eels will be far too strong for the Warriors and the Warriors will start throwing the ball around towards the end of the game after they're down by 20 and the game will look a lot closer than it was. So for me, the Eels win this. The Warriors aren't a team that gets thrashed. But the Eels will be too good for them. I think you'll see the golfing class. I'm hoping it's a good game to watch because I love some RTS, Nikarima, Chanel Harris-Tavita. The, the Warriors have got some great players to watch. So hopefully it'll be a good game, a good spectacle. All right. Well, the last two games, I think, are self-explanatory. The first first up is <laughs> the Storm versus the Saints. Storm are $1.10 favourites. Saints, $7. Saints have 20 and a half points start. I think the Storm is going to win. I don't know if they'll win by 21 points, but but I think the Storm will win. And I think they'll do it comfortably, but I think it'll be three tries. There are there about 16 points, something like that. That's what I'm thinking as well. I think the Storm will win probably between 12 and 20. It'll be If Ryan Pappenheisen's not back and Cameron Munster's doing the kicking, it'll be closer to 12-point win. Oh, look, I just think the, the Storm will be ultimately too good for the Dragons. You know what would be interesting to see? How the Dragons bounce back from a win and see if they take a little bit more confidence into this game and keep it tight. I tell you what's never been said this season. Gee, the Bulldogs were a good warm-up for the Storm. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think you could say that. I think the Storm will, will win easily. But, you know, one thing about the Dragons and Bulldogs game, did you like the Dragons jersey? I actually thought it looked really cool. The, the hoops. The hoops, yeah, I did Yeah. Too. Yeah, I really liked it. Really liked it, actually. Really, really liked it. Yeah, I thought it looked really, really good. I know that traditionally they've got the, you know, the red V, but that, that's a good-looking jersey. Hey, I, jersey. I really liked when Para last year had the hoops as well, the blue and yellow hoops. I like the hoops jerseys, yeah. Para's got, you know, they've got some good jerseys. I liked what they do with their jerseys, and they've got good colours to, to play around with too, like blue and gold. I'm not massive on the soccer jersey away one. I like soccer jerseys, but that, that one I don't really, it's not really a league jersey. Anyway. Okay. If we move on to the last game of the round, Magic Round, um, it's the Titans versus Panthers. Panthers $1.10 favourites. Titans $7. Titans have 18.5 points start. Um, I think the Panthers will win this, win it easily. I'm interested to see how the Titans attack goes yes. against the Panthers' defence. That was going to be my comment. This game might end up being 60-36. to 36. <laughs> 
But that honestly is a realistic scoreline from this game. Can you believe we're saying that? I could see the Panthers scoring <laughs> 10 tries, 8 tries in this game. Easy. I think if the Panthers come ready to go, they're going to score 40, 40 plus. And like you, I want to see what the Titans have got against either them or Melbourne. They're easily the top two defences and especially the Panthers. I'd love to see what they got and see if their style of football... They, they get conservative or if they really challenge the Panthers and see if they can break through. Because the one thing I know about the Panthers is I think they're susceptible to speed, pure outright speed, and not many teams have that. That's why Melbourne's... It's good they've got Jamal Fogarty then, the Titans. Oh, did you see him move? No wonder he got chased down by Josh Papali when he was in the clear. He tried to do a step and his body was going one way and his ass was going the other. Jamal, come on. <laughs> um, and... You know, it's more hard hitting analysis from that you've come no, to. No, that expect. was he was like doing the His wobble and it movement. Was meant to be a step. This is why we're not on Channel Nine, folks. <laughs> this is exactly why we're not on Channel Nine. You know, the Titans have a tendency to play through you, and they don't have the outright speed. So I want to see if they can break the Panthers' defensive line with some of their footy. You know, that's the interesting component to this game. But Panthers, man, it's a matter of how many. Can you bet on sixty plus for this game, T, or plus eighty <laughs> points? Yeah, I think you can. I think you can. So I don't know what the odds would be. All right. Well, that brings us to the close of another GNT show. Once again, we've been unsuccessful in keeping this down to a short pod. 77 hours. Yeah, we've only been recording. Uh, we started this pod on Monday the 10th, and it's now it's now Tuesday Wednesday. the 11th. Wednesday the 12th. So, uh, all right, G, thanks again. Thank you for listening, and we'll catch you next week. We'll catch you next week. CT. See you, G.